following is a teaching message from Shaw Community Church. For more information on Shaw or our teaching resources, visit www.shaw.org.nz. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sin. Offer hospitality one another without grumbling. Each one should use whatever gift you have received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do as one speaking with the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, the power, for ever and ever. Amen. Many of you have probably seen the movie Eat, Pray, Love, starring Julia Roberts. It's based on the book by the same name, which tells the story of a woman named Elizabeth Gilbert. And as her story is told, Elizabeth Gilbert has everything that a modern woman is supposed to want. She has a nice house. She has a great job. She's got a nice husband. Uh, but she's got this sense of not being fulfilled, not being satisfied within herself. And so she goes on this huge journey of self-discovery, which takes her around the world. Uh, she goes to Italy, where she rediscovers her love of food. And she goes to India, where she learns to pray within the, the Hindu religion. Uh, and then she goes to Bali, where she finds true love. And this whole story is, is kind of framed as a journey of self-discovery and self-fulfillment. Elizabeth, Elizabeth Gilbert's journey to find a sense of, of personal happiness and personal peace. And that movie was in my mind as I came to prepare the sermon in 1 Peter 4, because as you look at this passage, all three of those same practices show up in this passage. Eat, pray, love. Uh, you've got eating and praying and loving. And yet the way that Peter describes these practices is really the complete opposite of the way they function in the movie and in the book. Uh, for Elizabeth Gilbert, this was all about self fulfillment and self-satisfaction. For Peter, the way these practices are described is that they are expressions of living for God. And he's used that phrase earlier in this passage, uh, living for the will of God. And what he is wanting to do is direct our hearts away from ourselves, away from our own interests and intentions towards God, towards God's will, and towards the interests of other people. And so he lands on the same three practices, but he frames them in a completely different way and for different purposes. Uh, these are designed to be God-centered practices, not self-centered practices. So I want to look at each of these disciplines or practices of the Christian life this morning. Eat, pray, love, and look at how they can be directed towards God and not towards ourselves. So as we look at this passage, uh, the first of these practices that Peter touches on, and he, he hits them in a different order than the movie, uh, he talks about praying first. 
In verse 7 of 1 Peter 4, he says, The end of all things is near. Therefore be alert and of sober mind, so that you may pray. And I wonder whether you can hear in that verse a little bit of Peter's story. If you remember the story in the Gospels of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, on that night before he died, he took his, his three closest disciples, Peter, James, and John, with him into the garden, and he told them to wait here while I go further, he said, and pray. He went further into the garden to pray, and he leaves them there, and then he comes back and he finds them asleep uh, when he'd asked them to stay awake. And then he, he speaks directly to Peter, and he says, watch and pray so that you won't fall into temptation. And I wonder now, as Peter's writing his epistle uh, years later, whether that's on his mind, as he uses really similar language here, saying, be alert, be clear-minded, be self-controlled, be sober-minded, so that you can pray. He's basically saying, don't be like me. Don't be like I was in the garden. I was the guy that Jesus had to wake up because I'd fallen asleep when he told me to pray. And that idea of being alert in prayer, uh, it, it means to be wide awake. That, that's the way the message translation uh, translates that phrase, to be wide awake in prayer. It has that sense of being focused, uh, of being attentive to what's going on around us, attentive to the needs around us, attentive to the lives of people around us. Who, who need us to pray for them, attentive to what's going on in our world, uh, not so that we would just have opinions about things or be, be analysing things from a natural perspective, but so that we could have spiritual eyes to see what's really going on, so that we could tune into the brokenness of the world, tune into what God is doing in the world, and then have the self-control and the discipline to pray into those places and those spaces in the lives of other people, and in our own lives, where God is leading us to focus prayer. So this calls for attention and watchfulness and a commitment to making prayer an important part of our Christian lives. I think most of us know that prayer is important, but for whatever reason, we just don't tend to do it. Uh, so many Christians just live prayerless lives, if, if we're honest with ourselves. It's just we find it too hard. Uh, we find prayer is difficult because we get distracted by things. Uh, we get tied up with other priorities in our lives. We're too tired. We're too exhausted. We feel too distant from God or too disconnected from God or we don't sense his presence. And so we don't feel like we can pray. And we have all of these excuses and they're understandable. I mean, I, I get it. Like I, I feel these things too a lot of the time. And yet this passage is calling us to become people of prayer, to become people whose lives are marked by a consistent rhythm of prayer. And if we're going to be people of prayer, we need to believe that prayer is important. If you don't have that conviction, if you don't really believe that prayer is powerful, you're not going to pray. We need to begin by reminding ourselves prayer is such an unspeakable privilege. It's, it's an incredible invitation given to us by the triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit, to participate in what he's doing in the world, to connect with him, to be able to have this communion with God and, and, and even to address God, even to take his name on our lips is an incredible thing. Like Jesus died to make that possible. Jesus died to, to bring us into the presence of God so that we could now come boldly 
into the throne room of grace to bring our petitions and bring our requests and, and bring our very lives to God. Like he has gone from heaven to earth to make that happen. And yet we, we can just be so blase about prayer. We're so hum, ho-hum about it. And yet the Father and the Son and the Spirit have gone to such incredible lengths to make this possible. And God has invested prayer with such power to change things, to have impact and effect. The Bible says prayer is powerful and effective. God uses our prayers as we pray. God's power, His healing, His love is released into the situations that we're praying for. It's, it's an unbelievable invitation and experience that God gives us. And the encouragement from Scripture is that we would step forward in our prayer lives and build habits and disciplines and practices into our lives to become people of prayer. Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean spending hours every day praying. Most people don't have time for that. It can be the simple practice of short prayers as we go about our day. Praying to the Father, praying to the Son, praying to the Holy Spirit, and, and involving God in what is going on in our lives, pouring out our hearts to God, lifting up people around us, needs around us, and people far from us, praying into the situation that we're facing at the moment with this COVID pandemic. Like God hears prayers that are prayed by His people on all manner of issues, he hears those prayers and he responds to those prayers. And so I want to encourage you, whatever your prayer life is like at the moment, to take another step forward and commit yourself to regularly turning your mind and your heart towards God in prayer. And there's one simple step that you can take in that regard. This coming week, we're going to have a prayer gathering. We're going to come together as a church to pray. I know there's a lot of prayer that goes on in our church family. People are praying, you're praying individually, you're praying sometimes in life groups, but there's, there's a, a real power in the church coming together to pray. And we're going to do that this coming Wednesday. We're going to have a time in the morning and in the evening. So 7.15am and 7.15pm. So if you're a morning person, come to the morning one. If you're an evening person, come to the evening one. If you're both, come to both. Uh, you pick what you'd like to do, but uh, come and join us. And we want to together call on the name of the Lord and lift up people around us, situations around us, and seek God's powerful working and powerful intervention in those circumstances and situations. If you've got something that you'd like prayer for, come along to that meeting, and we'll, we'll pray for you. And if you don't want to pray out loud, that's fine. You can turn, turn your mic off. You can turn your video off if you want to, but just come and be present and be part of that. So there's one thing that you can do this coming week, and I encourage you just in the rhythms of daily life, to remember to be faithful in prayer, one of the most fundamental practices of the Christian life, but such a vital and central part of living towards God and living toward his kingdom. So Peter calls us to pray. And then secondly, he calls us to love. This is the second of the three practices. He says this in verse eight, above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. You might have heard that phrase, a multitude of sins. Uh, in contemporary idiom, that, that means to hide over some faults and to sort of disguise things that are not right. Uh, but the way Peter's describing it is that when we, when we genuinely love another person, we look past their faults 
and we look past their failures and the things that are less than perfect about them because we're seeing them as human beings made in the image of God and we're loving them unconditionally, just in the same way that God has loved us unconditionally. And the main way in this passage that Peter encourages us to practically show love towards one another is by serving. He talks about serving in the last uh, couple of verses in that passage. And he talks about using the gifts that we have been given to steward the grace of God in its various forms. He mentions a couple of particular gifts. He talks about the gift of teaching or speaking. He talks about the gift of serving. But those are just two of an infinite number of gifts that people can have. All of the lists of gifts in the New Testament, they're just examples. Just examples of the kinds of gifts that God gives people. A gift, in this sense, a spiritual gift, is any talent, skill, strength, competency, aptitude that you have that can be used to serve other people. I wouldn't draw a hard and fast line between natural talents and spiritual gifts. Any strength that you have that you can utilize for the benefit of other people to serve the church and build God's kingdom, that's a gift. And that is a gift that we are called to steward. And as I think about our church community, I think of people, I think of some of you, and the gifts that, that you have and the gifts that are represented in our church family. I think about people who have uh, gifts in finance and, and people who use those gifts in finance to serve others and help others. I think of people who have gifts in creativity and uh, creative arts. Uh, we had two women in our church who participated in that mosaic project that we did a little while ago with the two other churches. And they were involved in putting together that mosaic artwork, a stunning piece of artwork. And they used their artistic gifts for the benefit of three congregations as part of that series. That, those are gifts that they, that they used, that they shared. Uh, we've got people gifted in administration, people who serve, gifts of serving, that, those faithful people who just serve behind the scenes in those often unseen, low credit, thankless kind of jobs, but they just serve and they serve so well and, and so faithfully. Uh, and that, that's a gift, like that's an expression of, of loving God and loving his church. People who have the gift of, of music, uh, people who have gifts in, in management, People who have gifts, real empathy and compassion gifts in our church are amazing. People that are able to show such mercy and an empathetic heart that connects with other people. Uh, those people just have gifts that can be such a blessing to other people when they're struggling. We've got people who have gifts of wisdom and discernment, able to see and, and have really clear judgment about situations. People who have gifts of working with children nurturing and forming and shaping the hearts of kids and shepherding them towards Jesus. These are all gifts. They're all gifts that we have been given and are called to steward for the benefit of God and his church. And I want to encourage you, if you don't know what gift you have, uh, pray about that. That can be something that you, that you take to God in prayer and ask him to reveal to you what gifts he's placed within you and to draw those gifts out. And if you know what gifts you have, think about ways that you can be actively using those gifts for the benefit of other people. Maybe you feel limited uh, to do that in lockdown. That's understandable. But maybe, if nothing else, this can be a season of preparation for you, a season where you think ahead and think, when we get out of these restrictions, how could I serve? How can, how can I use who God has made me and, and what God has placed within me to build the church 
and extend his kingdom. This is part of living toward God. It's part of our Christian life. So think about the gifts that you've had, that you do have. Think about being a steward of those gifts and how you can use them to glorify God. So we've talked about praying. We've talked about loving. And now we get to the third one, which is eating. And this is my personal favorite. Peter says in verse 9, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. So this is not just strictly eating, but showing hospitality. And in fact, the word that he uses here for hospitality, it has quite a specific meaning. The word uh, in the first century context means to give lodging to a traveler. And so you would have, through the Roman Empire, traveling preachers, itinerant preachers, uh, sometimes the apostles themselves, people like Peter and Paul, who would travel from city to city, town to town, preaching the gospel. Sometimes their assistants and colleagues would travel, uh, bringing scrolls, uh, parchments, uh, delivering messages, uh, helping with different needs, bringing reports from different churches, and they'd be traveling around. And as these people came through different towns, they would need places to stay. And often the, the places that they might otherwise stay could be you know, pretty unsavory or even dangerous. And so often Christians would open their homes and they would give these traveling preachers and apostles lodging. They'd give them room and board. They'd feed them. And then eventually when their ministry in that town was finished, they'd send them on their way. That's what that word hospitality is expressing. And it was such a vital ministry in the church in the first century. So as you think about this today, in one sense, you, you could continue to take that literally. Like there are still many Christians around who provide exactly this service to other people. They open their homes to those that need accommodation. They provide dwellings for returning missionaries or people in, in vocational ministry that need some kind of retreat. And, and that's an incredible ministry. But I think we can also think about this idea of hospitality a little bit more broadly than that. I would define hospitality as creating a space of fellowship and inviting others into it. Opening up a space of fellowship or community and inviting others to share in that. Now, you could do that within the home, absolutely. So you could, you could open up your home, obviously not during lockdown, but once we get out of lockdown and have others around for a meal. We did this during Dinners for Eight, you remember? And it was a great time just being in, in each other's homes, sharing a meal together. And it has a, a really powerful way, doesn't it, of bonding you with other people when you break bread together in someone's home. It's a really, really great thing. It builds community. But at the same time, there are various reasons why it may not always work to have people in your home. And so hospitality is something that you can extend in a, in a variety of spaces. You can extend hospitality in a cafe setting, meeting with other people. Uh, you, can, you can extend hospitality in a fast food restaurant. Like one of the things I'm personally looking forward to doing after lockdown is having some hospitality at Wendy's. So if anyone's keen to join me in that act of hospitality. But, you know, that sort of hospitality where we can meet at a restaurant, at a cafe, at a fast food restaurant, that can be just as valid as meeting in someone's home. The point is that we are together. The point is we're creating a relational space where lives can be shared. And the point is that the presence of Jesus is there with us, filling our conversation, and we are doing these things in Jesus' name. So I want you to think about the step of hospitality that you could take. I know that 
when you think about Shaw and how we were operating before lockdown, there was already a lot of this kind of hospitality that was going on. I mean, people are inviting others out to lunch after church on Sundays. Life groups were experiencing hospitality. I would encourage you though to think, once we get out of lockdown, let's take another step in hospitality. Let's be a church that's really embedding this discipline and this practice in our shared life together. It would be awesome to think that after lockdown, across a given week on the North Shore, that cafes and fast food restaurants and homes would be full of people extending hospitality to one another within the church, extending hospitality to those who are on the fringes and the margins of church life, and extending hospitality to those outside the church as a way of loving and serving other people. It's a, a fundamental discipline of the Christian life, and there may be one step that in this season you can be thinking of and preparing yourself for so that after lockdown you think, this is, this is what God is calling me to do or our family to do in this regard. And here is one way that we can practice the virtue of hospitality. Think about that now. Make a plan so that you're ready when the time comes. So eat and pray and love. These are the three practices that Peter encourages. And if I can bring you back to that movie again and just draw the contrast, when you think about Elizabeth Gilbert and the way that she practiced those three things, it was all completely directed towards her own sense of happiness and inner peace. But when you look at the way Peter finishes this passage, in the last few words there in verse 11, he says, So that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ, to him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. It could not be more different to the Eat, Pray, Love movie, could it? Can you see that contrast? That these three practices are not just about making you happy and contented in life. Ultimately, God's highest goal is not your own personal comfort and convenience and happy happiness. God's priority is for your holiness and for his kingdom to be advanced and for his name to be glorified. And so these practices that we've been talking about, ultimately, they are intended to bring praise and honor and glory to God. That's why we practice them in a way that's not directed towards ourselves. They may not be the things that we would naturally desire to do. They may not be the most convenient or comfortable things for us, but that's part of the point. We are loving others as we pray, as we love, as we extend hospitality. We're serving others and ultimately we're glorifying God. So I encourage you to, to pray earnestly and boldly, to love deeply, and to show hospitality sincerely and generously towards others. And as we do these things within our church community and more broadly within the world, we're not only loving one another, but we are ultimately living in a way that glorifies God. Let's pray. Father, I want to pray as we hear your word this morning that you would settle on our hearts the ways that you're wanting us to respond to your word and, and the steps that you would have us take, God, to become people of prayer, to become people of love, to become people of hospitality. 
We want to be open, Holy Spirit, to your nudging in our lives as we think about how to, how to take next steps in these things. God, we want to connect with you in prayer more than we are. And we want to love one another more selflessly and sacrificially than we are. And we want to extend hospitality so openly. So help us to make this real in our lives. Help us to make this practical and to live this out. And we pray, Lord, that these would not just be words or good intentions, but would come to characterize our lives individually and the character and the ethos of our church. We want to do these things to glorify you, God, not to glorify ourselves or make ourselves look good in any way. We don't want that glory for ourselves, God. We want to send it all to you. And so we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. This has been a teaching message from Shaw Community Church. For more of our teaching resources, or to donate to our teaching resource ministry, or for more information on Shaw Community Church, visit www.shaw.org.nz. Alternatively, you can email office at shaw.org.nz or phone 09 415 0455. Thank you for listening.